After Party, live with Jim McAllister and John Daly. Happy Hump Day. Yeah, happy Hump Day. Walter says happy Hump Day. Is anybody humping? What day is it? Hump Day. Hump day. Yeah. I was thrown off. The show has been starting on time recently, and I don't want to get used to it because I know as soon as I get used to it, it'll get taken away from me. We always start on time, don't we? No. We're very punctual on the After Party Live. (laughs) John Daly is running this show, and we are on track. Uh, um, I I wish it was that easy. Um, (laughs) It's never easy in this business. How are you? Well, good afternoon. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Boy, was it... Oh, very blue. It was raining last night in Petaluma. Was it raining in the city? Uh, I think it rained overnight because it's wet on the ground, but it's always wet on the ground in San Francisco. It's usually like either foggy <laughs> the or... is, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Why is it wet on the ground? Yeah, it looks like a dog like shook off. It's that mm-hmm. kind of wet. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, um, yeah, that's it. Yes. So, well, welcome to the After Party Live. If you could do us a favor, do us a solid, as they say, and click the thumbs up button. That's so cool of you. And also, if you're here and you haven't subscribed yet, to click the subscribe button is quite helpful as well. Uh, Let's jump into our animal news because they've got this, this screech owl that apparently has invaded this Connecticut home, it kind of reminds me a little bit. Remember when we did the story about the little baby owl that they found, someone found in their Christmas tree, in their family Christmas tree in their home? This one is a different kind of situation, but this screech owl somehow made it into this home in Connecticut, and he likes to hide amid the board games. They have a little cabinetry thing full of all their board games. You sank my battleship. Yeah, (laughs) he likes to hide in there. They called him an unusual breaking and entering suspect. This happened in West Hartford, Connecticut. The police post this on their Facebook page and said an officer responded alongside animal control. Um, When the screech owl managed to get inside of the home, he was captured from the board game center uh, and rehabbed by the rescue area people. As of this post, they say the owl is doing great and is going to be released back into the wild shortly. So there he is. Oh, he's being taken away. Yeah. There he goes. Owls are so cute. Very cute. Yeah. Um, Probably very confused. Um, this next story is (laughs) happy Valentine's day. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and I'll get you a photo here in a second. It disappeared on me. Um, I don't know why the photos disappear sometimes. I think there's a gremlin. There's a gremlin within the system. Uh Uh, But love stinks. I was just going to say, we talked, we did a story about, uh, the cockroaches and how you could, you could name a cockroach after your ex and then have it fed, fed to some other animal. This is kind of along those lines, right? Yeah. Love stinks. Rhode Island shelter will have cats poop on your ex's name. Oh, a Rhode Island animal shelter is offering jilted lovers and ex friends the opportunity to have the target of their scorn's name buried in kitty litter for Valentine's day. (laughs) The Rhode Island society for the prevention of cruelty to animals not to humans, uh, said its Love Stinks promotion will allow members of the public to get some sweet and stinky revenge at the same time mm. um, uh, at a time of the year known for celebrating love. For a $5 donation, we will write the name of an ex-friend, lover, or even something you wish to bury in a litter box for our shelter cats to poop all over. 
the officials wrote on the fundraiser's website. How's that for stinky retribution? Oh. <laughs> the fundraiser runs through Valentine's Day. There you go. If you if you have to pay to have a cat poop on the picture of your ex, I think it's time for you to move on. Well, I don't think you have to pay for that. Archie will do it for free. <laughs> Look at that. Throw some treats. That's all he needs. Um, um, Michael saying that it looks like Dodgers blue. It's no. Oh, is it Dodger it's, blue? It's not picking up on the camera the same way. No, it's got more of like a like a violet kind of tint to it. That's not Dodger blue, right? Anything but Dodger blue. Yeah, no. it, I'm under you know under fluorescent type lighting, so it looks a little different. But anyway, no, never. Boo. I'm, Where's my orange? Do I have anything orange? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Finding all the orange stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's plenty of orange. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Tomorrow you'll have to wear orange just to prove a point. So this this next story, I learned a lot, I have to say. And this is the beautiful part of the After Party Live is sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we learn. Sometimes we do a little bit of each. Sometimes we learn. Sometimes. But don't we... ask too many questions. No. No. Don't ask questions. That's the first rule of After Party. Don't ask questions. This story out of Texas, where this Your favorite state has made a snout hole in a frozen pond to survive the winter. So you've heard of hibernation. Bears hibernate, right? They go into whatever, a cave, and they sleep for the winter. Well, reptiles apparently have something they do as well. It's a lot like hibernation, but it's actually called something else. It's a it's called brumation, B-R-U-M, brumation, where alligators in freezing temperatures go into this state of brumation, which is the cold-blooded animals version of hibernation. The uh, folks at the at the alligator center here in Texas say his heart is beating three beats per minute. That's how alligators survive in the ice. So they shared this video at the Texas Wildlife Rescue Center of this alligator poking its snout through the ice so that it can survive in this frozen pond. This is at Gator Country in Beaumont, the rescue center area. Yeehaw! So the body is under the ice. The snout is sticking up through the small hole so we can still get some air. Uh, but I thought that was fascinating. I had never heard the word brumation before. Yeah. And they're I very also find it interesting to find out that like Beaumont, which is like near Houston. So that's that's off the that's close to the Gulf of Mexico. I didn't know it, mm. it froze down there. I didn't that's either. The same. Um, yeah. That's the same uh, latitude as like uh, New Orleans. New well, Orleans. apparently, you know, climate change. Here we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. Got you know little... how to survive hole sticking straight up through the ice and he's, he's got, got his get heart slowed down and he's good to go. Snout, get your snout yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, moving away from animals for now. Um, this next story is about hypochondria. This is right oh. up my alley. <laughs> this should not be ridiculed. The link between hypochondria and early death. A new study from our friends at the New Study Center suggests that illness uh, anxiety can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. I knew, I knew oh, that. Oh, that's I was worried so about that. weird. Like I was worried you, about that. If you think it, it will come. Fortunately, there are effective treatments. Um, in an English churchyard, the Irish comedian Spike Milligan's gravestone has a chastened message for those who knew him. I told you I was ill. Um, 
I'm not. Re- <laughs> I'm not registering for this website. Hold on. Click. 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 Um, we can all identify with Milligan's concerns. Who hasn't panic researched supposed symptoms, fearing the worst? His jokes spread. Uh, or speaks to our fear of legitimate health concerns uh, in that they'll be shrugged off as nothing to worry about. Oh, it's just hypochondria. But there's a difference between the occasional appointment with Dr. Google and long-term serious anxiety over health. This persistent fear of an undiagnosed illness, that's me, may lead to uh, endless doctor's visits. I don't go that far. Or quite the opposite, total avoidance of medical care. What if we're not taking hypochondria itself seriously enough? That's what I was worried about. That's the takeaway from a recent Swedish study. Ooh, it's sexy all of a sudden. Uh, the study found that people with what is now called illness anxiety disorder may die earlier than others. It's a disturbing finding that makes the disorder sound like a self-fulfilling prophecy. As one anxious observer put it, it's not enough to just have worries. Now you have to worry about your worries. See? That's yeah. what I'm thinking. But that doesn't mean those with uh, the disorder should despair. The study uh, has an important and ultimately hopeful message. This is a serious metal- medical disorder. This should be um, not a peculiarity or something that should be ridiculed, said, says its lead author. Um, the deaths recorded in the study were largely preventable, the uh, researchers noted. Their findings underscore the need for diagnosis and treatment. And the good news is that treatment is highly effective. Um, the study examined records on about 45,000 people. That's pretty, pretty good. Comparing death rates among those who are diagnosed hypochondriacs, about 4,000 people against those without it, 41,000. Um, they found people with the disorder were 84% more likely to die during the study period and that they died an average of five years younger than those with uh, without the diagnosis, 70 versus 75 years old. It might all sound counterintuitive. Surely the, the people most concerned about their health would be taking good care of it. But like all anxiety disorders and chronic stress over many years, decades, we know that that's not good for your health, right? Mm-hmm. Um, emphasizing that the study does not investigate the reasons behind the disparity. Stressing yourself di- out. There's people are stressed. Yeah. Subjects with the disorder died at higher rates of both natural and unnatural causes, mm. with most of the unnatural uh, deaths, as you might expect, a uh, result of suicide. That in particular oh. might be seem surprising among people seen as having a great fear of death. But people with illness, anxiety disorder may experience a great deal of suffering and hopelessness. Um, as for natural causes, the researchers noted that anxiety is associated with cardiovascular diseases, kind of what you're hinting at. Some subjects with the condition also struggled with chronic stress as well as drugs and alcohol. Um, as uh, they point out that while the disparity might seem grim, the absolute risk of death among people with high anxiety remained low. Um, so basically, you need to take it seriously. You need to get diagnosed. Um, lot of, lot of, lot of. The pandemic you know kind of brought things you know, to the forefront. You know what doesn't help is dr google either because you you look something up like some type of most symptom, of the time and then all of a sudden you know you see oh it, you could, be this, hole, it could be that it could be this and you go to the worst case scenario and there are situations there are situations where you can kind of figure it depends on who you are i think i have a very troubleshooting oriented mind most of my jobs have been analyst jobs or my job is to figure out what's wrong with something mm-hmm. and by using the information available on the internet i have correctly diagnosed myself three times yeah. and twice kaiser doctors couldn't figure it out wow i figured out that i had mono and two kaiser doctors kind of were dismissive and the last one i asked could you add a test for mono she added it and instead of calling me back she wrote like a sheepish typewritten letter <laughs> that said that i had mono yeah. So, you know, <laughs> don't completely dismiss it. Like if, you know, if you feel pain, you got, sometimes you really have to advocate for yourself. So just don't get too crazy. Yeah, right? it's true. Uh, let's talk about robots. Robot. Ooh. 
it's happening crazy look at that kind of a cool looking robot i mean that's when you think of a robot when i think of a robot that's what i think of this robot is about ready to start making bmws mm. i thought you were gonna say it was about to start killing people no, it looks like it looks like it could. <laughs> hey, don't mess with that robot. The BMW US factory floors. Yep. They oh no, it has start. a German accent. It will be back. It will be back. <laughs> or Austrian. The car maker recently reached a commercial agreement with a robotic startup called Figure to bring the BMW robot, it's a general purpose humanoid robot, to the manufacturing facilities for BMW. The first yeah. up. Spartanburg, yeah. South Carolina is where they start. The agreement puts BMW in a race with Tesla and other automakers who are all looking to this version of the humanoid robot to automate their already tech-filled facilities. So no one uh, really seems to know exactly... We will make these Americans efficient. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this robot from the figure is five foot six. It's 130 pounds. You know they made him course. five foot six because they they want him to seem less imposing, right? Maybe you don't make the robot six foot two. No, right? that'd be a little then the scary. Men start feeling insecure. Yeah, <laughs> a seven foot tall robot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a um, little one. It can lift 45 pounds. It can walk 2.7 miles per hour. Um, yeah, they the figure is trying to make the world's first commercially viable general purpose humanoid robot. The figure zero one model can operate for about five hours before they need to recharge and plug him in. Look, five hours before he needs a break. That's good. He just feed it uh, <laughs> what schnitzel and beer. Yeah, that's what he runs on. It's unclear exactly <laughs> how the robot will work in an automobile factory setting, but Figure thinks its device will generally enable the automation of difficult, unsafe, or tedious tasks. So, okay, if they use it for an unsafe task or something that's kind of, you know, one of these repetitive motion kind of things that can be done this way, that's great. As long as it doesn't thick as long as it doesn't take somebody's job away. I don't want people to oh, lose their it's, jobs it's over this job. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's so the they're figuring car out building machines as square builds, ultimate driving machines. They're trying to figure out the, the folks at BMW exactly how they're going to start using this thing first. Right. Once they look into the uh, initial use cases, how they're going to use them. I call it a him because He's, I don't know, he just looks hemmy. Uh, once those are established, the robots That's will make sexist. their debut. I, well, maybe. Maybe uh, she's a cutthroat agent. <laughs> maybe he needs a dress and then it'll be fine. I don't know. Um, they're investigating ways to use the humanoid robots in the facility. And yeah, they, they think that it would be really useful, especially in situations where two hands are needed to grip certain objects. So, like your, like your throat? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. But they're trying to have these robots in the Spartanburg uh, facility sometime in 2024. So, yeah, here he comes the BMW robot. Yeah. BMW robots 2024. Uh, uh, Lori says, wow, they're bringing it to the American factory to replace American workers. I wonder if the unions in Germany, EU, does not allow workers to be displaced by robots. Probably not. Yeah. Doesn't somebody have to oversee the robots? Yeah, Michael says they tried robots at the Daiichi power plant in Fukushima. They all got fired. 
Oh, or fried. Fried. <laughs> fried. Yeah. <laughs> they got fired too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Walter says fried robots don't sound very good. Don't taste very good. Um, yeah, that is concerning. But you know what's coming. Yeah, so, it is coming. Uh, oh, in the, oops, this yeah. is the test for Trump, right? Oh, well, if you're going to get political here on the non-political after party. I'm just saying, because it used to be they didn't, they wouldn't be able to know for sure if you had Alzheimer's until, until you you're passed dead. away. And right. they could That's do why the an robots autopsy. have to kill you and then take a look. There you uh, go. New blood now test. you got a little blood yeah. test, right? A new blood test that screens for Alzheimer's uh, may be a step closer to reality, according to a study. Um, testing a person's blood or a type of protein called a phosphorylated tau or p-tau could be used to screen for Alzheimer's disease with high accuracy, even before symptoms begin to show, according to a new study. Study involves Ooh. testing blood for a key biomarker of Alzheimer's called p-tau-217, which increases at the same time as other damaging proteins, uh, beta amyloid and tau, build up in the brains of people with the disease. Currently, to identify the buildup of beta amyloid and tau in the brain, patients undergo a brain scan or spinal tap, which can also be uh, often can be inaccessible and costly. So there are current ways to do it if you're still alive. But uh, this simple blood test was found to be up to 96% accurate in identifying elevated levels of beta amyloid and up to 97% accurate in identifying tau, spelled T-A-U, um, according to the study published Monday in JAMA. Uh, what was impressive with these results I want is that with you. the blood test was just as accurate as advanced testing like uh, cerebrospinal uh, fluid tests and brain scans at showing Alzheimer's disease pathology in the brain. Study came as no surprise. The results came as no surprise to this uh, scientist researcher who added that the scientific community has known for several years that using blood tests to measure tau or other biomarkers has the potential to assess Alzheimer's disease risk. So we're very close now. Last year, the first blood test for assessing beta amyloid protein was made available for consumer purchase in the U.S. It's called AD to detect to help people with mild cognitive impairment identify their risk of developing Alzheimer's. That's interesting. Some researchers have raised doubts about the science behind the test. Quest Diagnosis, the company behind the test, has stressed that it is not meant to diagnose Alzheimer's but says it helps to assess a person's risk for developing disease. That's that AD to de detect. Mm -hmm. um, so that's interesting. These, yeah, things, it, these things are coming down the... Uh, I think like, this is wonderful. I mean, it, the question is, do you want to know you have it before you ha before your symptoms start? I think some people do. Yeah. But, uh, person, man, woman, camera, TV. Yeah. I think we need to know in this case. Here's, you know... I'm sure the people that are responsible for this aren't so happy, but I always love a good explosion. Oh. Check this out. Bam. Look oh, at it go. At? We'll just look at that over and over again on a loop for a hot second. This is uh, apparently a giant uh, exploding space module. It's a giant inflatable exploding face module that face? blew up. Mm -hmm. at a prototype during its intentional ultimate burst. So it's supposed to oh, happen, apparently. This is on Earth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a size of a house. It's made from ultra-strong synthetic fiber. It, it was the size of a house. <laughs> the size of a house. 1,600 square feet. It's meant to one day house astronauts orbiting the Earth, um, but it... It exploded just as intended. They say better than intended. Here's what they say. The results from the ultimate burst. 
first pressure test meant to help ensure the life module's eventual final design will withstand the vacuum of space as well as handle any unwanted encounters with micrometeorites. They are celebrating this. They've released this mini documentary on the most recent trial run highlighting the progress of this thing. Um, Yeah, it's this giant balloon basically going kaboom, right? That's all we need to see. I'll stay here on Earth. You think you want to? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, the the Sierra Space inflated its three-story tall, 27-foot-wide model until it popped with a force equivalent to 164 sticks of dynamite. The explosion only happened after this house succumbed to internal pressure of 77 PSI, which is about 27% more than NASA's mandated pressure resiliency for space station habitats. So they're kind of looking at how much pressure this thing can withstand until it yeah. finally blows up. Anyway. Interesting. That was interesting. Maybe that'll improve the Dyson uh, vacuum. We'll use that yeah. technology. Uh, speaking of technology, cameras how to find hidden cameras in hotels and house rentals. You know, I never oh, really think about that, but I CNBC, always think about that. Always. Yeah, well, they're in your toilets. No. They're in hotel rooms. Like who was there before me? Who put the camera in? So Who's CNBC, seeing my boobs when I take C- off my shirt? Uh, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> CNBC tested five ways and there's one clear winner. So um, if you want to read this whole thing, it's on CNBC.com under their travel section. But spy camps, as they're called, are getting smaller, harder to find, easier to buy. From alarm clocks to air fresheners, water bottles, toothbrush holders, cameras come embedded in common household items that seamlessly blend with home decor. And they can be purchased uh, in a shop or online through retailers like Amazon and Walmart. And rather than having to retrieve the camera to re- obtain the recording, owners can stream live images right to their phone, Right. So um, even worse, voyeurs can sell footage to porn sites. You know, there you got your flashing, oh. right? Where it can be viewed thousands of times. So it's uh, it's no wonder why websites from YouTube to TikTok are filled with videos of people recommending simple ways to find hidden cam- cameras. But do they work? Um, so they tried five different ways. First one was, of course, using your naked eye. Um, so they had a colleague at CNBC go from room to room noting anything that was out of place. After 20 minutes of searching, he found one of the cameras mm. inside a working clock and he was tipped off because the time was wrong. So uh, he said, I found one, but it was well camouflaged. So it only costs $0 to use your naked eye, but he only found one. Using your mobile phone um, for the second round, they downloaded a popular app called Fing, which scans the Wi-Fi network for cameras. Uh, he also used his phone's flashlight to make it easier to see camera lenses which is also another common online recommendation, right? You're kind of trying to look for a reflection. The app showed 22 devices connected to the Wi-Fi, but no cameras. Um, they explain that when they set up, the team set up the cameras in the house, they also set up a second wireless network. They then connected the hidden cameras to that network, bypassing the home's main network, right? Mm-hmm. Even if we didn't do this, the app would show cameras that are in the house, but not where they were located, right? So um, they found three of the cameras, um, one in a Wi-Fi repeater, one in a shirt button, and one in a teddy bear. Um, the last one in the teddy bear because... Ah, uh, uh, the old he, camera in the teddy bear bit, Yeah, because huh? he mm-hmm. could see it in the eye. Nanny um, cam! Yeah. yeah he, uh, he said he was tipped off because the, t- the bear's t-shirt was not grammatically correct. So <laughs> it was most likely made in China, uh, where ironically these are banned. So uh, that app cost $25 China. a year, found three cameras with it. 
uh, test number three was using a radio frequency detector, right? With only four of the 27 cameras located, it was time to turn to handheld devices that are designed to find hidden cameras. Um, a radio frequency detector beeps when it's close to a spy cam. Those work when uh, cameras turn on connected to Wi-Fi, which means they wouldn't find cameras that have like uh, memory cards, right, that are storing it locally. Uh, they're also prone to false alarms. Uh, they watched him search from room to room for the third time through a barrage of piercing beeps. The device also has a built-in lens detector, but the beeping proved so distracting that he didn't locate a single camera with the device. It even beeped when he was in parts of the house that had no cameras at all. That device cost like $100, $200, didn't find any cameras. Test number four was um, a lens detector, a basic lens detector, which is cheap, portable, and easy to use. The device emits infrared light, okay, kind of like your remote control, mm -hmm. uh, the old style, which reflects uh, back from a camera lens as a red dot. The problem, you must be close to the camera for it to work. Despite its, popu despite its popularity online, he only found two cameras with this device. It cost $50. Um, one was in an essential oil diffuser. Uh, that's tricky. Oh. And another in a Wi-Fi mesh device. Now, the last one, number five, is, is an advanced lens detector. So this is an advanced version. This decayed lens detector resembling binoculars. It also um, uh, accentuates light that is reflected from a camera lens. However, the device works from a distance, allowing... Uh, their tester to see cameras from across the room. It works in brightly lit or dark rooms. Oh, wow, he said as he located cameras in a tissue box, in a leather bag, one buried between files on a desk. He, um, he noted that you have to look straight into the lens to see it. The angle matters. In total, they found 11 cameras with this advanced lens detector, more than all the other cameras found in all the other tests. It costs $400, though, but they did found they 11 how, cameras. Did they say how common it is that there would be cameras somewhere? No, but I mean, the mm. fact is they're they're all over the place. So um, especially I would say an Airbnb, I wouldn't I mean, I don't like the idea of Airbnb, but I wouldn't trust I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't trust them. I wouldn't trust. I don't trust anybody, but I'm very cynical. Do you trust a regular hotel room? I would say you're probably more likely OK, unless a prior guest put something in there, right? You because never the, know. The, you know, unless there's a manager who's mm. like a creep. Yeah, I know. I don't think you can really know. I, and then they said, unfortunately, the, detecting the device is getting better, but so are hiding cameras. So it's kind of like, you know. If I were going to an Airbnb or a hotel or somewhere, it might make me feel better to have a super yeah, camera it's a, it's, spotter. You know? it's, a cat, it's a cat and mouse game, as they say yeah. here. So if you want to buy a $400 device, um, it's, no. it's called. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Uh, it's sold by OMG Solutions, and it's called a advanced, uh, you know, advanced uh, lens detector. Mm. There you go. Hi, my name is Kim. I'll be your teledriver today. Where would you like to go? My what? Your teledriver. What's a you teledriver? ever heard of a teledriver? No. Yeah, teledriver. It's an uh, it's an alternative to a driverless taxi. And still, nobody's sitting in the driver's seat. Oh, it's no. kind of like employees use a video game rig and in-car camera sensors in order to drive vehicles, deliver vehicles to drivers, that type of thing. This is happening in Las Vegas, or as we say, lost wages. Uh, this year, they're going to see a new fleet of SUVs zooming around without anyone in the driver's seat, operated by a German startup, Vey, V-A-Y. German? German, yeah. Very, very so they're, they're bringing the robots mm. and they're bringing their remote controlled uh, cars. Yeah. So they're not fully autonomous, right? There's no one at the steering wheel, but there's somebody controlling everything remotely. And they cars are part of this emerging teledriving model, 
where human operators use video game-like remote controls to steer the car toward customers from the company's headquarters. So this is a perfect job for you since you don't want to go into the office. There you go. I just drive here. That's what I said. I have my spiel all done. Where would you like yeah. to go today? How can I help you? Although, if you think about it, this is what um, Cruise was in trouble for, part of what they were in trouble for. They were claiming that their cars were autonomous, but they had people remote driving them, you know, every 10 blocks or so. Yeah. And they were checking in all the time, but they were checking in, not necessarily fully controlling the car, right? Uh, No, they were taking over, they said, every certain number of miles, like to get out of situations. In this case, and I, I, I witnessed that because the blinkers would come on. And then all of a sudden they'd say, stand by, we're resolving this issue. And then the car would move. Well, in this case, they're never really autonomous with someone hopping in to, to yeah. take over just in case. There always is somebody remotely and driving. I think it. that was a question of, that was a matter of cruise technology uh, being inferior. Now, I have been taking rides in Waymo and that's never happened in Waymo. And I, it feels a lot safer. Hmm. Now, they haven't they haven't run over somebody yet. Um, but I think this is going to be a matter of slow and steady wins the race. And I think Google has better software. Obviously, they have better engineers. And our former coworker that worked at both companies said that the Waymo technology is a lot better. Just So as a side note, I think Waymo is probably going to win this race. Well, teledriving companies like Vey say they can change metropolitan mobility and possibly someday reduce the number of cars that are on city streets through the use of remote control drivers. If you want to take a ride in one of these things while you're in Las Vegas. How does that reduce the number of drivers? I mean, because you're still requiring a person. It's possible. So how is this? This isn't cheaper. possible that you could, if this company knows that, you know, two things are happening in the same area, that you could maybe say it's a delivery, right? And so then they can deliver things more quickly without not one person, you know, multiple cars driving, but in the same area. I don't know. I don't know. No, but if each car requires a person, first then you're not really of getting... after party. Don't ask questions. Yeah, this doesn't make logical sense yet. <laughs> so they have a they have a mobile app. You can request a ride. A team of human operators at Vey then use a combination of cameras, sensors, and augmented reality tech to remotely drive the vehicle to the customer. Once the car arrives, you know what customer... I want. It's kind of like a plane. You have your pilot, and they're invested, right? Because if they make a make big mistake and they crash the the plane, they die. Right here. This driver is not invested. <laughs> no, right? they're not dying. Yeah. So it's like, hey, you take the risk. I'm going to be here in my basement. So once the Vey remote driver drives the car to you, the customer can take it over and drive it to their destination with a fee based on time spent driving. When the trip is complete, the remote driver regains control over the vehicle and drives it to a new customer. What is what the happens. point of this? I don't get it. Wait, so you're saying that the like, customer like car, can take over like, like a, a rental car? Yeah, it's like a car sharing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't, it seems very complicated. I don't a really remote driver drives it to you. You go where you need to go. And then when you're done, you get out and you go to your casino and you're playing. And then the remote driver drives back to another hotel, picks me up. Then I drive to wherever I'm going. And then the remote driver takes control and drives it to somebody else. So you're saying they yeah, drop off Mark Thompson at the casino. Then they go pick you. you up. And then you mm-hmm. go see Shania Twain. Yeah. Um, if the remote driver was in the UK, says Square, the car may be on the wrong side of the road. 
Well, apparently it's kind of a an interesting setup. They've got an arcade game car back at Vey that has a physical steering wheel and pedals, and a large screen reproduces the vehicle's real-world surroundings, if you can picture that, with a combination of sensors and cameras. It's all made possible by modern 5G wireless networks, letting the vehicle quickly transmit real-time data to remote operators. Yeah, I still what don't. Happens, I don't when look. the internet goes out when you're driving down yeah. the street. That's what I I'm want to have know. to look into this because it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand the point. Well, the whole I, point of autonomous cars is that you would eliminate I I the job. I described it pretty well. I don't yeah, know. They would eliminate the job. So if you're not eliminating the job, I don't understand the point. But anyway, I'll, I'll look You would that. be eliminate. There's no tax. Oh, well, I guess it's easier not to be in the car with everybody, right? easier why do you care about whether it's easier for the driver what does that mean taxi driver you know you have to sit in the car all day it's been working for it's been working for a hundred years i guess that's, maybe the taxi driver would rather sit in the uh in the video game setup back at the vay headquarters it just sounds very expensive and there's like mm. so many points of failure potentially um but why don't we take a break and then we'll think about think how it, you uh, really we'll ruined about... my next career choice you know well, I'm just trying to keep it real here on uh, the After Party Live. Uh, let's right. keep it real and uh, take a break, and then we'll be back after this. Ooh, hey, everybody, it's your friend Satan. Love me or hate me, the After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you could contribute 10 15 $20, $666, it would keep this party very, very hot and heavy. Any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up, isn't that the truth? The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. I know what you're thinking, why should I be tempted by the devil, but come on guys, it's not like I'm asking you for your soul. <laughs> A party where you don't even have to leave the house. You could be naked for all we care. The After Party, live. Huge thank you to our ongoing contributors and supporters. Susan, Susan D, Jenny, Jenny T, Kim N, Pinky C, and Tamia, and Tamia G. Thank you so much for that. We appreciate it. Yes, and then we want to also thank uh, Walt. Or no. Oh, no. Sorry, those were just chats, not contributions. But we want to thank Walter for being here. Um, yeah. I wanted to say... Uh, you were, I think you were listening because you were part of the show at the end when you guys were talking about a house that was worth uh, a certain amount of money, and Sio Jones guessed uh, six hundred or sixty-six million, then six hundred and sixty-six million. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking of the devil, and um, and then I look up and I see there were six hundred and sixty-six viewers of the Mark Thompson show Ooh, at that moment, and that seems crazy. to happen a lot. A lot of the times when I look at the show, it says there's six hundred and sixty-six viewers. I'm not saying oh. it's Satan. But Are then we open up Mark our Thompson show. Is the devil? Is that what you're saying? Well, there might be some kind of connection because then we start our oh. show and we don't have a huge audience, but we had 66 viewers at the oh. beginning. I don't know. Something, something's going on. I'm not going to take credit, but yeah, it is my favorite number. So I thought that was worth noting. Um, All of a sudden, we me. have 116. We're throwing down sixes right and left. <laughs> but that's now what we're inspired me to, uh, it to bounce toss it. around. Thank That's what inspired you. me to toss it to Satan. So Okay. Know. Well, thank you very much for being here. Please click the like button if you can and click the subscribe button as well. Again, thank you to all of those people that support the show. Talk to me about sexy selfies.
<laughs> Uh-oh. You're probably not going to like this. Uh, Oklahoma has proposed a bill that would ban sending sexy selfies unless you're married. It would outlaw, it also outlaw any what? sort of sexualized image, play, or performance, pornographic or not. I can't do that. An anti-porn bill in Oklahoma is so extreme that it could even make sexting outside of a marriage a crime. The wide-reaching bill would make oh, merely viewing obscene materials a felony, which is why if you drive uh, like from Texas to Oklahoma, you'll see that all the porn shops are right on the border on the Texas side. Mm. So that's where everyone in Oklahoma goes. I guess they're very holy roller there, huh? Yeah, the gas is cheap, though. That's about the only thing that I appreciated. Speaking of boobs, because apparently it's a boob-heavy show, if I want to send a picture That's of my boobs to someone, <laughs> Wait, shouldn't I be again? able to? I need to get a clean cut of that. No, no, that no, no, not happening, not happening. But shouldn't I be able to send a picture of whatever I want to send? If you want to package up your boobs and have them FedExed or uh, <laughs> delivered, I'm people will be saying. willing to pay, I'm sure. I mean... It's my prerogative, my boobs. Well, right? not in Oklahoma if they pass this. This would also restrict unlawful porn distribution and production with enforcement possible through criminal prosecution and private lawsuits and make it a misdemeanor to pose for, exhibit, or publish unlawful porn. And, of course, it would define these terms to include a huge array of sexually charged adult activity far beyond what many people would consider pornography. Do they it's, not have anything else to worry about? No. Honestly, this is what they're high on their priority list. And, and what is it, Oklahoma? Yeah. Well, they don't have to worry about the cost of gas. Uh, it's part of a wave of conservative plans targeting a very broad definition of porn. First Amendment be damned. That threatens not just hardcore pornography, but all sor sorts of erotic expression. Uh, whether or not this particular bill goes anywhere, it represents a resurgent moral panic over porn. More common on the right, but present in more progressive corners, too. I haven't witnessed that, at least not in San Francisco. Heather says, keep the government out of my bra. Yeah. And Wes says, what did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> the measure. <laughs> yeah. The measure, Senate Bill uh, 1976. Yeah, what year is it? Um, also puts forth legislation to repeal no-fault divorce. It's slated to be informally... Uh, introduced on uh, February February 5th, but the text was already filed last week, giving us advance notice of how bad it is. By and large, the First Amendment protects pornography, so expect lawsuits. So there are some big are exceptions. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. Yeah, it does not protect porn that depicts people under the age of 18. It does not protect mm -hmm. obscenity, an ill-defined category that's been the subject of many of court cases, but most adult pornography is considered protective. So I don't think they're going to get very far with this. This is obviously going to be a fight. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, Mama Day Three Boys says, is Oklahoma the same state that wants to ban kids dressing up as animals? Yeah. I think it is. Luis says, wow, lawful porn. What an idiotic concept. I think the boobs are the clowns working on this. It's yeah. true. And they say, like Texas's abortion bounty law, this bill yeah. would be partially enforced by private lawsuits. Any person oh other than God. an officer or employee of a state or local government entity in the state could bring forth a civil action so you could rat out your neighbors. Ridiculous. She Lori has says, only fans. Why am I surprised? Some of those people want to go back to outlawing contraception outside marriage, too. Oh, gross. That's a state. Yeah. Mark, put that down on my list of states I never want to live in. Uh, Jim with a $5 super sticker. Thank you. Yay. Woo. Woo! Appreciate it. Appreciate it so much. Thank you, Oklahoma. What a bunch of backward hicks. <laughs> Sorry if you're from there, but you know what? 
now. Well, Kim, you're not sending them your boobs. No, I'm never. They don't get to see. No. No, well, Chunky Duncan. And Chunky Duncan. Speaking of Chunky Duncan, scientists say eating too late could increase your risk of heart disease. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, she got caught. I've been caught in the at the fridge late at Wait, night. Who has crackers in a bowl in their fridge? Yeah, one wonders. Then maybe she took the dip out of the fridge. And so where where is know. it? This, this picture doesn't make sense. Somewhere in the cracker bowl. <laughs> this might be pornography. A lot of this people sometimes you're up a little late. You're maybe you're working, maybe you're watching your favorite show, and then you get a little hungry, so you do the late night eating. Or maybe you just forgot to eat all day. And so, you know, it's normal for you to eat dinner at 10 p.m. Maybe you don't put your lettuce in the crisper. Maybe you just have it displayed like a bouquet. <laughs> That's right. Not good. Maybe you put your apples where the butter goes or right. the milk. Individ- individually. <laughs> and you put them up up at the top, too. Up the high. Inside. Yeah. Lots of apples There's... to refrigerate. And then you have your, your pepper. There's so her. much wrong with this picture. The bell pepper. <laughs> this is not realistic. And what's However, in that bowl in the middle? I can't tell what's in there. The recent, the recent study people looked at the link between patterns of eating late and heart disease. And what they found is that, <laughs> yeah, it is very staged and staged in a weird way, John. <laughs> what they found is that meal timing regulates the biological clocks that are involved in several circadian functions like regulating blood pressure, metabolism, and hormonal secretion. Um, and so... They say former studies have found possible links between skipping breakfast and less favorable metabolic health. Not much is known, though, about the link between meal timing and cardiovascular disease. So they looked at the habits of more than 100,000 adults, 103,000 to be exact, to assess whether the times they ate food could have a link to cardiovascular disease beyond the nutritional quality of the diet, just looking at really when you eat like the timing of it all. And what the scientists found is having a first meal later than 9 a.m. compared to earlier than 8 a.m. and a last meal of the day after 9 p.m. compared to earlier than 8 p.m. is associated with a higher risk of cardiovascular events like a heart attack, a stroke, especially among women, interestingly. So the study shows that it could be beneficial to start eating earlier in the morning and stop earlier in the evening to ensure a long enough nighttime fast duration. They say these are only uh, epidemiological signals that need to be confirmed in other studies and cohorts and other trials and whatever. So they said it's not unreasonable if you eat dinner at five, now it's 9 p.m., you're hungry, should you eat, should you have a snack? It's what you eat and how much you eat that matters. And you should also take stock of why you want to eat at night. Are you really hungry or are you bored? They say we're surrounded by food all day, so we may not recognize when we're hungry. Check in, ask yourself, are you really hungry or you just want to eat because you're tired or you're bored, you're doing it out of habit because you're watching your favorite TV now show? Now you sound like the new map. No, I know. What are the best foods to eat before bed? Fresh or frozen canned fruit in juice, not syrup. Popcorn. So you don't add all the butter, though. Low-fat mozzarella cheese stick. Breakfast cereal. Plain Greek yogurt. Cut veggies and a little hummus. Banana or apple smeared with nut butter and a small serving of nuts. Nut butter. You know what's really good at night? I think um, 
the Greek yogurt, low-fat yogurt with um, like nice crisp uh, red table grapes. Oh. It's very refreshing. Sounds good. What are the best drinks to have before bed? Water with a slice of citrus. Sparkling water with no added sugar. I thought you were going to list off vodka, tequila, <laughs> herbal, rum. non-caffeinated teas. Where are you going? What? This is a study about health. I don't well, know this where is you're... the after party. I mean, hello. Well, Nit clearly... one, one says, "Forget uh, me, forget to eat all day." Fat chance. <laughs> Fat chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So that's it. Don't end up like this lady caught in a surprise attack eating a bowl of crackers in the fridge. In front of her stage fridge with mm -hmm. nothing to put on the crackers. Maybe no. that's why she's shocked. There's nothing she, to put on she, here. She does surprise well, though. We'll give her that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's enough of her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to something less weird, more weird. A secret project this to back up planet Earth. You know, we're all bad about backing up our, our data, right? Um, this is... Uh, in the event of apocalypse, you know, we uh, apparently we need to back up planet Earth and it's underway in a James Bond style villain bunker in the Swiss Alps. As a hotbed of conflict explodes around the globe with fears of all out World War Three mounting, a U.S. firm has installed a British designed Superman memory disc containing a compendium of human history. That's oh. right. Yeah. Uh, so this is... Uh, uh, like southeast of Zurich, uh, near the border of Liechtenstein. Have you been there? No. It's a beautiful. Beaut uh, yeah, Disney I like to hang out near Liechtenstein often. The, the Disney inspired I kick it the near castle. Liechtenstein. Yeah. I think it's Sleeping Beauty's castle that was inspired oh. by the uh, the castle. New um, Schwanstein. Yes, mm. Schwanstein. Very good. Look at you. Thank you. Yeah, I'll take um, that win. Yeah, you're doing it. You're tele tele driving there. Uh, <laughs> actually, you'd be hella driving. From <laughs> Located deep inside a mountain vault near Flumes, Switzerland, the futuristic quartz disc designed by a Boffins, we remember Boffins, scientific people, at Southampton University's Optoelectronics Lab holds 60 million microscopic pages of human knowledge. And it's designed to survive a nuclear holocaust. The oh. nano laser-edged archive holds the entire contents of Wikipedia and the Rosetta Language Archive. Uh-oh. Whole contents of Wikipedia. Mm. I don't know. Check your sources. Hopefully Future it's actually accurate. <laughs> will also hold 100,000 books and millions of photos and illustrations covering every aspect of world culture, art, literature, science, sports, and history. Hopefully they'll have YouTube shows too. The incredible project called Global Knowledge Vault is run by Arch Mission Foundation, which plans to install similar repositories on every continent. The foundation famously had one of its memory disks in the glove box of Elon Musk's space-bound Tesla Roadster and is running two missions to land lunar libraries on the surface of the moon next month. It also has plans to send the 7.5-centimeter disks to Mars, Venus, and near-Earth asteroids. Um, their chairman invited uh, this uh, uh, columnist to see the first Earth disk being installed at the Hagerbach Test Gallery, a massive research and development facility that we were talking about hidden beneath the mountain in Switzerland. He said, if something really bad happens on Earth, this will be our planetary insurance policy, our backup. Um, well, I mean, if we're not alive to, <laughs> with the technology to read that disc, I'm just imagining a couple of people walking up. They're like, huh, yeah, and we got this disc. What do we do with it? I don't know. Um, yeah, so that's kind of cool, I guess. It's really cool. Yeah, it's yeah. like a seed vault, but for information. I like it. Oh, here's another photo you... deep down inside. Oh, yeah, that is very James Bondy. Yeah. Is Q down there coming up with all kinds of gadgetry? I don't know. Right. Right. What's your favorite 
specialty item at Trader Joe's? Your favorite thing that you can buy at Trader Joe's that you can't buy anywhere else? I haven't been there in a while. Um, I'm sure I'm just not thinking of a good answer. Mm. Maybe if I if you mention something, it'll it'll mm. shake a memory. They loose. have a pumpkin ice cream that's quite. Oh, good. I, I like their um the Indian food that they have. Oh, okay. Like the tikka masala and all that. Oh yeah, that's a very a popular choice. Mm. I like they have these chips in the chip section. You kind of have mm-hmm. to look really that's look usually, for them. Well, it's usually where you find the chips, Kim. They're the chips they're very thick. <laughs> <laughs> they're very thick, and they're sco- they're called I think they're called scoops, or maybe I just call them scoops. But they look like the end of a spoon made of corn chips. They're perfect for dip, but they're also just perfect by themselves. They're very thick corn chips. Love okay. those. But yes, here you go. The Customer Choice Awards are out at Trader Joe's. And for the second year in a row, the winner is the chili and lime flavored rolled uh, corn tortilla chips. I've never had those. Have you? No, that's the favorite overall item. I don't like spicy, so I'm probably not going to like these. Although chili and lime, like... You have like the the super white uh, person version of like, I don't like any spice, right? Yeah. You know, like, could I have it extra mild? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yes, exactly what you said. I That's can't right. handle medium. You know what? But chili uh, and lime doesn't necessarily mean spicy. Okay, if you insist. It could just be chili flavored. Like, it could be, I bet it might be mild. You, you just want me to buy one, eat one, and burn my face off. These are brightly colored Live chip. a little, Kim. Live a little. <laughs> They're made from corn masa that is cut, rolled, and fried, and dusted with hot chili and lime flavored seasoning they got a little spice to them they unseated the popular mandarin orange chicken um because trader joe's decided to induct the recurring winner into the newly created trader joe's product hall of fame uh (laughs) taking it out of the running to give other you know what i'm realizing i I care about these awards more than i care about like the emmys and the oscars you you want to know more about this Other winners in the 2024 Customer Choice Awards at Trader Joe's included spiced apple cider in the beverage category, goat cheese in the cheese category, the creamy spinach and artichoke dip for best appetizer. Okay, I have to go check that out. Ice cream sandwiches. Yeah, on the right. Uh, for the best sweet treat, the chili lime chips also won right. best snack for the second year in a row. Uh, and the very popular butter chicken with basmati rice won right. in the new lunch and dinner category. Right. Ban- bananas were the favorite produce, hash browns, the favorite breakfast, and right. Brazil nut body butter was the favorite bath body and oh, home product at Trader Joe's. Yeah, the bananas are oh. only like 19 cents each, which is a oh. lot cheaper than. Uh... In your safe ways. Well, there you go. What yeah. are your favorites? I'm looking over here at the uh at the chat. Uh not as good as the tikka masala from my favorite Indian restaurant. Well, well yeah, but it's also right. like four dollars. Oh, Liz likes the frozen mini croissants. You know what? I that reminds me, Liz. They have you ever had the, the, the Trader Joe's? I forget what it's called, but it's like a giant donut. It's like a giant ring, but it's flat and it's a pastry. It's really I just good. imagine you walking in a Trader Joe's like, I don't know the name. Let me describe it for you. It's this you know, giant I don't need to ask. Thing. I know exactly where it's located. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, you sometimes you don't yeah. know that the chips are in the chip section. You know, you know, sometimes you have to ask. I'm just being specific. 
don't know why you have to be so critical. I'm just being I'm gonna, a smart. You know what? I'm, I'm going to send you ass. next door so you can hang out with my mom. You guys can be I, critical together. I am just being a smart ass because uh, uh -huh. it amuses me. <laughs> I'm glad it amuses you. SJ Yeah, those frozen croissants are great. Really good. Um, okay. Oh, hatch chili mac and cheese. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. They do a lot of things very well. Um, you got to watch out for the produce and, uh, you know, look for mold <laughs> in the fruit and produce. <laughs> Keep your eye out. The cheese is really good. The cheese is much better than Safeway cheese because my mom buys both. Yeah. And I always like if I'm at her house, I always steal a, like the slices. They're thicker and they taste like cheese. They don't taste like plasticized, yeah. you know, cheese like you know, so they wow, have Safeway these cheese. buckets of cookies and they have little mini chocolate chip cookies. And they also have uh, cinnamon animal or not animal but alphabet cookies so you know you when my kids were little i'd get the oh, alphabet okay. cookies and we'd work on how do you spell your name or what less you you tell me the sound this makes and you i'll give you the you whatever yeah yeah mm -hmm. oh it sounds like you're very yeah. good to your kids um like Cher's <laughs> trying to be good to her kid right what's the details here oh share share um he's been trying to Get a You've labeled this story pink, so it's in a pink color. So I don't know what that means. Oh, it's was supposed it's just... to be for you. Yeah, it's, oh. uh, it's a John story, but uh, mine's you green and yours is purple. But Cher's son Elijah, we've talked about this before. She's trying yeah. to put him under a conservatorship, uh, thinking that he's got substance abuse issues and he's going to run through the trust fund that his dad left him. Oh. He has her and cheekbones. He is f fighting back, saying. I don't need a conservatorship and there are plenty of reasons why he said you're not the boss of me that's right he's cleaning up his act but tmz got a hold of the legal documents so he's laid out the oh. the reasons why he doesn't need this he's also making some accusations against her mom uh, his mom so this is kind of getting you know more and more ugly uh the wife says the, the son was brought to Mexico in October and told by a doctor that Cher hired that he would be doing holistic alternative therapy. Um, the lawyer, the son's lawyer, claims it was actually a makeshift prison type facility known as Baja Rehab, where he was held against his will. Oh, um, she says the wife she claims she traveled daily from los angeles to rosarito in mexico to rescue elijah from the captivity his mother arranged that he was held captive there for two months until mexican federal agents escorted him out and dropped him off at the border shared denying all of this saying that has is oh, not the no. case oh no yeah um the wife is saying you know, share is unfit to serve as a um as uh, a conservator anyway, uh, that she doesn't drive, doesn't make her own food, doesn't dress herself. Uh, this is the ugly back and forth. But yeah, he says he's... Wait, you're saying Cher doesn't drive her, uh, dress herself? Well, she, I mean, Cher probably has a stylist, right? Oh, but uh, you made it, the, the way you're talking made it sound like she couldn't get out of bed. This and, is like, what put her the wife on. says, right, yeah. which I doubt is true. But anyway, so if this whole tit for tat thing is going back and forth, and we'll see what happens. Well, if only she could turn yeah. back time. Um, did you hear about this? This is a scary story. Taylor Swift has this stalker. I mean, when you have this much fame and notoriety, you mean the entire media. 
Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean this guy who apparently one of them, she's had many stalkers over the years. One of them is this 33-year-old. No, that's our our hot football player boyfriend. This guy is 33. He has now been arrested and charged with harassment and stalking after he was found behaving erratically, they say, near her New York City home. This guy's from Seattle, Washington. His name is David Crow. He was arrested on Monday. Uh, New York police said officers were approached by multiple complaints complainants complainants who pointed out an emotionally disturbed man acting erratically at this location one of the officers observed observed this man harassing uh, multiple people in the area they took him into custody he was charged on two counts each of harassment and stalking a swift was not at the property at the time she was actually at the uh, football game so she wasn't home There was a second incident outside of her property over the weekend where a man was arrested after trying to get into her townhouse. He failed to answer a summons on an unrelated incident and was charged over it. Um, They haven't said whether these two things are related. One of these people, though, tried to has had 30 incidents where they've tried to get into her home. This is some scary stuff going on. I mean... No, I mean, it, it comes with the she has really good security. Yeah, you would. Ha- and, and you know, you people say, oh, she has a billions and trillions of dollars. You know why people that have this notoriety need that much money? Because they have to hire security and have gated houses to keep the crazies out. Well, wow. they don't need that much money. But, um, yeah, you got the food, you got the roof. You got she's the- had her homes in New York and elsewhere targeted by numerous people. One guy tried to break into her New York house using a shovel. A couple months later, um, he succeeded, got into her house, used her shower, and slept in her bed. He had to go to jail for nine months. I like months. that you said that the police responded because the guy was acting erratically. Yeah. Right? Like, he should just, uh, if he wants to blend in, come to San Francisco. Yeah. Police, Everybody police acts erratically. The police won't come for that. Mm. Um, uh, this next story is about employees... Um, and their reputation for honesty. Okay, I get this. Members of Congress now trail car salespeople uh-huh. in a ranking of the most and least trustworthy professions. Lawmakers in Washington are dead last when it comes to their perceived honesty and ethics. According to a new survey from Gallup, they're really good at the surveys. How sad which is that? It has evaluated various professions on these measures since 1976. The latest ratings are from a December poll that asked roughly 800 U.S. Uh, Ameri- uh, U.S. Yes, U.S. Americans, U.S. adults to rate each. I'm not going to make fun of you for that. Just because I said the chips are in the chip section. I'll make fun of myself. (laughs) See, that's a preemptive (laughs) self-deprecating strike on myself. Other jobs uh, at the bottom of the heap for their honesty and ethics, advertising pros. It's fun to make fun of you because you never make mistakes. So when you make a mistake, it's Uh it's funny. I clearly make them a lot. No, I make them way more often. Uh, I'll make one uh, to five before the end of the story. Stockbrokers and insurance uh, salespeople. So the other jobs at the bottom of the heap for honesty and ethics, advertising professionals, uh, stockbrokers and insurance salespeople. As more, as a more general profession, there was a mistake. Business executives also score poorly. Several professions also sank to new lows as measured by Gallup, including journalists. Uh-oh. What? Where 19% of those polled rated them <laughs> as honest and ethical. Clergy, 32%. And pharmacists, 55%. Um why are you rating your pharmacist like dishonest? What's at the bottom there? Police officers, it, the line goes the other way. Um, 
because it's based on it's the dem it's the dem republican difference oh so you can see that democrats rate only 37 percent and republicans 55 percent okay yeah percentage of uh very high high honesty and ethical standards so um, it depends on your politics, right? So um, overall, Americans view just a handful of jobs or as largely filled by honest and ethical people. And even then, the more positive take is dimming. Only labor union leaders held their ground for 2023, although that ground wasn't exactly solid. Just 25% of those polled rated honest uh, the honesty and ethics of labor officials as very high or high up. Um, from 24% in 2019, according to the survey. When it comes to workers who are seen as most trustworthy, nurses come out on top. Aww. Rounding out the top five are veterinarians, engineers, dentists, and medical doctors. Um, the American Nurses Association applauded the findings. <laughs> Given the considerable hardship and obstacles that nurses we advocate for are facing, including unsafe work environments, uh, severe burnout, and barriers to uh, practice to name a few this recognition is a true testament to the positive influence of nurses on their patients um, police officers and college professors are viewed as unfavorable by a majority with the former viewed as trustworthy by 45 percent of those polled and the latter seen as um, at 42 percent the rankings go quickly downhill from there with 17 professions viewed as dishonest and unethical um, of, the, of those uh, surveyed a majority of the surveyed, there's another mistake. Only 6% of respondents viewed members of Congress as trustworthy. 6%. College graduates tend to view professions in a more positive light, offering higher honesty and ethics ratings than non-college grads in each case, which is uh, consistent. Democrats also tend to be more complimentary of workers' honesty and ethical standards than Republicans. In fact, police officers are the only profession with a higher honesty and ethics ratings among Republicans and Republican-leaning independents than Democrats and Democratic-leading uh, independents. The biggest gap by political party is over college professors with 62% of Democrats and 22% of Republicans rating academics as trustworthy. So hmm. I thought that was somewhat interesting. Well, thus concludes the After Party Live. And there were like four mistakes that I made in that article. So just being honest. All right. Truth let truth. it roll. It's all truth right. Yeah. Well, you know what? We accept all the mistakes and all, all the mistakes. successes and we celebrate everything on the after party. That's how we roll. <laughs> we want to thank Jim Slayton for a four ninety nine super sticker. Jim Slayton, thank you Jim for kicking Slayton. in. You're awesome. Thank you very thank much you for that. So much. And who yeah. else do we have to thank? Ongoing contributors. We right? have to thank Susan D and Jenny T and Kim N, uh, Kim N and Pinky C and Tamia G. Thank you guys so much. Yay! Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. Um, we're gonna come back tomorrow, and we're gonna have trivia. And we don't know what the category is yet, do we? We still have to figure it out. But you can yeah. always email us, Kim at the afterparty.live, John at the afterparty.live if you yeah, have any ideas. If you ideas. have an idea for mm -hmm. a category for trivia, let us know. Uh, may or may not use it. Um, <laughs> we will not return your submissions. Yeah, unless know. you include a self address stamped envelope. Uh, Ooh, Deidre's looking forward to it. We like yeah, that. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Have a great rest of your hump day, and we'll see hump you tomorrow. Day. What day is it?